listening to the Carl Jackson Podcast. Available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. and excited that you guys are listening on all podcast platforms and watching on CJC Network. We are now at 100 million people who are able to access the network through all of our uh, platforms and cable outlets and OTAs and OTTs. So we want to say thank you guys for watching and you guys are making this show a hit. That's why my guests get, keep getting better and better. Just like today, we have a special R&B gem and she is uh, a, a songwriter. She's a artist. She's also an author of two amazing books, at least I know, but she might have done more books than those. I don't know, but that's why we're going to talk to her today. Her name is Tiffany Bino. What's up, hey, Tiff? How you doing? I am wonderful. So glad that you decided to do this podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, absolutely. So... <laughs> I want to get right into it. Uh, where did you originate from? Where, where are you from? I am from Akron, Ohio. Akron. Yeah. Akron, so tell Ohio. us a little bit about your your background. How did you get started in music? Uh, and take us through a small journey of your life. You've even have a couple hits I saw uh, I too, and I was like, okay. So <laughs> like she's like R and B royalty over here. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I have been in the industry for a minute. Um, I had a number three hit out back on the on the um, Billboard charts, hip hop Billboard charts, and my stage name at that time was Tanae Williams. Um, but to bring you up before I get to that, I actually, at the age of 16, I won the Apollo Theater three times. And then from there, and you know what's so interesting? When I was a little girl, I said, I used to speak three things. And one was I was gonna do, win the Apollo Theater, I was going to do Soul Train and I was going to win Grammys. Well, little did I know that life and death is in the power of the tongue at that time, you know, so I began to speak things and not knowing that I was on the road, you know, of those things manifesting. And I ended up winning the Apollo Theater three times. They offered me a deal, but I was still in high school. My mom's like, no, you're going home to finish high school, you know. And so I went home and then two weeks after I graduated high school, I moved to New York. Now, Growing up, the interesting thing with me is my dad's from New York, so it wasn't foreign to me, you know, right. like I, every summer I was shipped off to grandma's house, and, right. you know, which I loved because that side of my family, very musically inclined, you know, and, and, and interesting thing with them is they were the type that it did, there was no competition, you know, it was like if you sung alto, if you sung soprano, if you played the bass or if you played the drums, wherever you get in at, you just get in and play, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, and I grew up with that, you know? So that was like a very, very strong, um, you know, thing that was put in me at a young age. So I'm not really one of those that compete, you know, because I understand that I stand in my own as well as everybody else does, you know? That's and right. so I went through that and then I happened, I got with my manager, which was Nikki Eichner. I did Pendulum, I got with Pendulum Records and I had a number three hit with um, Give Him a Love by Tanae Williams. And so did all those wonderful things and then my daughter was born. Well, my daughter was born with dextrocardia and dextrocardia at that time 
she was the third child in the country to ever have it. So yeah, so it meant that, you know, mommy had to be front and center and you know what I mean? Because at that time people, they were curious about it. So they would have people come in and just want to just look at it, you know, look at her heart and things like that. And I had to be very protective of her, which meant that it, you know, I didn't breathe life. And I knew that I had to lay my life down to make sure hers was whole, you know? Wow. So I found myself throughout that journey, just doing, um, you know, just writing and singing songs through the seasons that I was going through, you know? Right. And not only that, becoming a licensed minister in that as well, you know? So my daughter, she went through two open heart surgeries. Oh man. Yeah. At the age of, I believe she was seven and then she was 11 and getting ready to turn 12. And I had, um, had been out of the, been left the industry for a while, had been into ministry, you know, for, for a while then. And so we had really kept her around, you know, the power of, 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 of a miracle God, you know, and just the understanding that, that, you know, and if you had doubt or if you didn't understand how we understood, no disrespect, but I had to really, you know, guard right. her, her, her space. Right. And so um, now the, the interesting thing is with dextrocardia, they said comes Down syndrome, a whole list of other things that they had, you know, she never had any of those things, you know, and they told her, they said, well, you know, after we do the last repair that, you know, um, you won't be able to do gymnastics. You won't, you know, you won't be able to do the normal things that other children do. Well, she did everything that the normal children did. You know, she did gymnastics. She, she did uh, cheerleading. Um, she did everything, you know? And so they're, they're sitting there trying, just amazed at the fact that how does she only have dextrocardia first and how, you know, and not all these other things that come along with this, you know? And how is she able to do these things with this, you know? And so, you know, it was just, I remember this. Now, this is my tearjerker, and then I'm going <laughs> to. No, no, I'm, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I remember when she was going in, she was going to turn 12, and this is her last surgery. And she says to me, she's, you know, they give you your oral anesthesia before they completely knock you out so you can spend a little more time together, you know? So I'm standing there and I'm talking with her and loving on her. And so she says, uh, so I knew she was getting a little groggy and it was time for me to go, you know? And so I says, okay, Gabby, mommy's going to be right here. When you wake up, I'm going to be right here, you know? And so I'm, I loved on her and I'm going to push the door open and I'm a cry baby. So, you know, I'm going to push the door open. And so as I push the door open, my daughter says, mom, I'm not scared. Mm. And I was like, Gabby, that's so good. But, you know, I'm just trying to really just get out the door and just, okay, that's good, <laughs> you know? Because I didn't want the last thing for her to see is me crying and you right. know being a certain way right. and so i'm steady trying to push that door open and finally she goes well don't you want to know why and i said yeah gabby i had to turn around and give her my 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 attention and say yeah gabby why right my 11 year old said to me she said because i know god is with me mm. you know wow. and so when she said that to me that made not only was god already telling me that he was going to redeem the time but that was my assurance that whatever God's will was, mm. that we're okay with that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so she's 24 years old. She's had no other surgeries. She's defined all the odds that they said would be against her. She went to college. She works a full-time job. <laughs> so, so now I'm ready to put out everything that I've been preserving and you know what I mean? And just, wow. and, and you see how God works it out. Wow. 
So let me ask you this. Did you ever, this is a very good segue into spiritual um, connotations and thoughts. So did you ever, I mean, look, I remember starting out as a filmmaker, how blessed I was to be able to continue this journey pretty much my whole life. And now I have a seven-year-old, I have a daughter Mm -hmm. and she's able to watch me do whatever I do and see the growth. Yeah. But did you ever find any moments that you felt like God had forgotten you because you had this dream and desire to do probably millions and millions and millions of of things in music, and you had to pretty much sacrifice that to do this, the parent thing, which was very important. Did you ever feel any resentment from that, or did you never, ever feel any type of way about that during that time I know that's sensitive but no a lot of people there's a lot of people who are in your shoes yes who started out one way and then their life went another way so I want you to talk to them about it absolutely well I'm going to be honest and and frank and the honesty is is that you have those thoughts right and that's just what they are thoughts that's where you have to keep them and so what I learned through my journey is that anything that's negative, anything that's going to keep me in a certain place mentally, anything that is going to take me outside of what I know God has put in me to be great. I'm human. It's going to come, but when it comes, it's not going to penetrate. You know what I mean? And so though that, and, and so when you keep yourself built up and you keep yourself ready, that's, and I believe that's one of the things we always think when God says be ready in and out of season, I don't think that's just (laughs) knowing a scripture. That's, that's, that's life. life. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that, so whatever life may hit you with, you know, and when we understand that, you know, um, what is it? Uh, the scripture where it says that, um, you know, the darts will come, you know, they're going to, they're going to come, but they won't penetrate and they won't hurt you, you know? And so, and then I find that even the scars that have come in the end, they begin, they begin to be a testimony and a, and, and a tool that God begins to use to help somebody else's journey. Right. Yeah. That's great. Great question. I mean, great answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just say. Anyway, um, when you were 16, then let me ask you that. When you were 16 and your mom said no, how did you feel? Oh, wow. Oh, I went kicking and screaming. I went yeah. kicking and screaming because, you know, to be honest, in school, I mean, I, I graduated high school, maybe a C average student, you right. know. But I can be honest with you, all I heard was music the right. whole time. That's all right. I heard. And so I would sit there and I would be in English class. And I remember my English, Mr. Hale would say, okay, Tiffany, are you going to join us today? And I, <laughs> because I would drift. So, you know, so I could literally sit there and hear Luther Vandross song from the beginning to the end. Right. You know, and right. so I was, and I, and I understand with my children, how important it was that when I saw that they were really, that they, they, they learned basic based on music, you know, their brain worked that way, that I understood the importance of the art school, you know, because we don't get it that a lot of times, if I would have gone to an art school, it would have been geared towards what I love, you know what I mean? And so the interest would have been a little more you know, and so what we did with my children is I made sure that if they had any interest in music, and you know, which my daughter does, but if they had in- any interest in music, you know, that those things were made available to them, you know, and that's kind of 
one of the things that, you know, I wish that I could have, you know, but in the time that I had to set aside and, you know, and grow through that, I was able to pick up and learn about myself, other things, you know, and it didn't just stem from music anymore. You know, I really, I really love your attitude. I can hear the fan, by the way, if you got a fan. You do? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love your attitude though, because I'm telling you, if, if my mom or dad had told me at 16, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah. I wouldn't have been as nice about it as you were. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you. I was, I, the, I was the black sheep of the family. So they were. Oh, okay. You would have went. <laughs> and listen, I would have been a moving out 16 year old. <laughs> and you know, and you know, it's weird too, because I feel like now that I'm a parent, yeah. um, I, I, one of the things that I will say it's, it's a very interesting time. I was having this conversation with someone the other day about how parenting at that time was more protective. Yeah. And so even though I don't understand it, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, what's all that stuff y'all was doing with little Jack? But <laughs> at the same time, I get it because that, that was a different time. It was a and different- that's all they knew. That's all they knew, the perspective. Mm-hmm. You didn't have internet. You didn't, we j- I mean, right. think about it. To us, the internet is like, that's our thing. But- yeah. There was no social media. There was no internet. There was no FaceTime. There was no nothing. So when you sent somebody out into the world, it was like you really were sending them out into the world. That's right. You and really so were. that I understand it. I get it from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but but. And you I know, still but one <laughs> I know, but one of the other things my mom had already prepared me for was that I had to finish high school. Right. So I knew well, I think there still would have been a way to finish it. That's my yeah, thing. It would have. It really right. would have. I, I was like, why couldn't you finish high school? That was just like, yeah. I didn't understand. And, and in fact, when I had the ability to go to New York, you know, right. but at the time when you have, they had multiple children. So, you know, just, right. wasn't, you know what I mean? No, so, I get it. Yeah. I had to step out, you know, and just say, I'm doing it. So you did, but it, I, you are a normal 16 year old. At 16, you, you did feel Oh yeah. The stress oh, from that, right? Oh yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, I hate her. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, okay. Didn't really, but you know, right. yeah, I had oh my gosh, I went in the bedroom and tore the room up. I was upset. I don't blame you. Know? you. But the more I thought about it, I don't blame you. Yeah, and I but to, the more I thought about it, I had one more year to go. And not only that, the interesting thing was when I was in high school, because I come, my family here was very, you know, involved, you know, and so my grandmother, she was, she, she was the first African-American to have her own radio station and then to be inducted in the radio, in the um, radio hall of fame. She's in that. Shout out to her. Wow. And she was, she was called the lady with the golden voice. And the interesting thing, the lady with the golden voice, she's passed away now. Okay. But, yeah, but um, I tell you, I'm sorry. Oh, her, well, my grandmother's name was Charlena Hewitt, Charlena Brown. Yeah, Hewitt. let's give a shout out to her. That's legend. yeah. legendary. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so she really, you know, they, they really just, um, there was a lot of respect in the city and, you know, a lot of, um, uh, what would I say, because of who she was, she was in, you know, the head of the NAACP out here. Right, right. And so whenever she would have like talent shows or anything like that, she would always make sure that I was right there on on the stage, you know. So it sounded like your grandmother really was the driving force behind the art part of your life. She really was. Probably she really was. She, was. she was the one that saw it in me at a, at a young right. age. And, right. and 
when I saw what she did with my uncle, I saw, you know, that she had, you know what I mean? That she yeah. knew. And one thing about her was that she wasn't going to get involved unless you were like, she knew you was. Right. You was ready. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. So I remember when I was, I think I was 12 years old and we went to go visit Howard in um, Calabasas. So Howard, let, let, for, the, for the people that's listening and watching on television, your uncle is Howard Hewitt, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. And, and he is the legend. If you don't know who Howard Hewitt is, just, <laughs> just, just jump off a building. You just something. Right. <laughs> but um, Howard Hewitt also influenced your uh, upbringing in music too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you say uncle, I just want people to know what you mean when you say uncle. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he did. He um in fact he was one of the um first ones that I saw just really just able to take that melodic flow and just, you know, He's a beast. He's a beast. Stuff. Yes. So when I would see him do stuff like that and you know, and I begin to, you know, and, and then not to mention, to be honest with you, when I was three years old. I would get on the ground and just vibe with my mom. You know, every mom clinked their house on Saturday morning. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And so I would get on the um, floor and vibe with my mom. I mean, vibe with the music that she would be playing, like Natalie Cole or, you know, any Teddy Pendergrass, anybody right. back in that era. And when the music would stop, I would just cry and just scream for the music to go, you know, for her to put another album back on. And so she would do it and then I would calm back down and start flowing with the music again, you know? And then one of the things I would do is get behind my dad and I would sit behind him and I used to love to put my ear to his back as he talked because I loved how his vibration came up through his back. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I found out that what I really fell in love with first was vibration. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, and then once I really understood that, you know, it went to the vocals and the music. That's great, man. Isn't that That's crazy? Amazing. So talk about a little bit. Let's get right into what you're doing today. Now that we've got a little past handle, yeah. let's uh, talk about your new album. I want to know why did you, I know the numbers. I'm into numbers, 1111 11 and all that stuff. But um, why did you name your album? Why did you call your album 1111? 11 11? What, what is it, the significance uh, of that for you? Absolutely. There's two um, meanings to that for me. One is my birthday. It's 1111. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, and not, and the other one is God has been showing me 1111 for about seven years now. And the interesting thing is, is I know sometimes we, as people, we move around and we're doing, and we're doing, and we're doing, and we think we're listening to God. And sometimes we're not. Mm. And so he uses other things to slow us down and say, Hey, I need to get your attention here, you know, because he's a loving God, you know? And so I have been seeing these numbers 1111 and 111 for seven years. And I, every time I would see it, I'd screenshot it or I, you know, to, to, to just remind myself that I'm seeing this. Well, then I took it a step further. I said, okay, now I need to know what the meaning of this is because I'm seeing it a little bit too much, you know? Right. So I started searching, researching the meaning of it. And 1111 is talking about um, the attraction that you've put out there, you're now receiving. Mm. And it is, it's a whole, a whole list of other things that I could really go on another journey with you with, but that is, you know, so when you think about my album, <laughs> it's a, it's, my, it's something that has been, it's, it's 1111 is the energy that I put out there that now the, 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 the universe is now sending back to me. Mm. 
And that's why 1111. And when you open up 1111, I'm telling you, it has so many different, you know, um, types of music in there, you know, it's not just R&B, which R&B is just the root of me, you know, and right. it's not just um inspirational uh, gospel yes, gospel. I actually have a song on there uh an inspirational song on there with father mc oh wow yeah so yeah and you know it's interesting because a lot of people ask the question how is how how easy is that about doing gospel or how hard is that as far as doing gospel and then doing r&b and all the other you know different types of music and my question I'm still stuck I'm still stuck on father mc it's one of my favorite <laughs> rappers of all time He's like in my top five. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's like a beast. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. And then I also have a song that I did with um speech um from Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So oh, you're not playing with that, it. Um, and, and I love it because I am, you know, 1111 again is connecting with people that are like-minded. You know what I mean? We understand yeah. that, you know, love has no walls. Yeah, Ooh, you know, and if you're wow. genuine about what you give, wow. you know, say that again. That, say that again. Love has no walls. Oh, wow. And if you're genuine about what you're giving, wow. and your source is genuine from where you're tapping from, no matter where you sing or what you sing, there's something good being released. Love has no laws. Wow. It doesn't. That's it really <laughs> that well, you know, hearing you speak, it, it reminds me of Al Green, Reverend Al Green. A lot of people didn't understand in the 80s, yeah. in the 70s and 80s, he was doing gospel concerts and RB, okay, yeah, at the same yeah. time. And yeah. um, now that I'm an adult, I totally get it. Totally but at the time, a lot of people judged him for that, saying he's an RB singer doing gospel, but yeah. actually. He was actually doing the work of God and the work of Christ more so than That's church was. Right. That's because right. he was going out to them to yeah. the people where they at who don't go to church. That's right. And he would give them their love and happiness. And then afterwards say, okay. now we're gonna come over here and have church. Right. And they had to get with it because that's it. That they love him. Bringing, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about because he told us to go out into all the world, you know, and, out. and he said, I will take care of my church. Right. So those that are, those of us that have that he has sent out, don't be afraid to go and do, you know, and I believe right now that those of us that, that have been hidden for such a time as this. <laughs> you better speak it. Okay. You better speak so it. That's it's, true. It's, that's it's fact. Our, Yes, it's our 1111. I don't take that just for myself because, you know, a lot of people have been seeing like 333, 444, things like that, you know? And so I believe God is really speaking in that, you know, and he's speaking to the remnant and and it's just our season to really understand what those meanings are and to embrace them. That's beautifully said. Yeah, thank you. That's beautifully said. So uh, talk a little bit about, uh, make me say it again. I, I was listening to it yesterday um, in the car mm -hmm. and, um, I have the bowl system. So I got to hear the real, yeah. <laughs> you know, real stuff. And it's, it's, it's the trillionaires produced it. Tell us a little bit yeah. about it. I, I really, yeah. uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite songs from Isaac brothers. What, yeah. what inspired you to redo it? And how did you get involved with the trillionaires? Wow. Okay. Well, the trillionaires happen to be, uh, consist of my husband, which is Kyle Bino and a couple of other, um, uh, we have Q and then a couple of other um, young musicians and young um, producers that he have working with him. 
that but that's like a group really of uh, producers and under your husband's camp yes that's yes. dope yes and I so like the name um, he calls himself true he went past billionaire okay yeah, no we trillion. i mean if he could have went to quadruple airs or something he probably would have went there he said bump millions <laughs> bump billions right. yeah billion level <laughs> and that brother ain't playing god no. <laughs> and so you want to know the interesting thing is is that we both have a love of the old school music uh-huh. and so um it's when I remember being seven years old singing the Isley Brothers song and then uh, Natalie Cole and um, who else? Uh, Shame and all those things, you know, being very young. And I sung those songs, but I didn't know what I was singing about. Right, you know, right. I didn't have a clue. of what, right. And it's interesting because I remember my mom saying, sing it with meaning. I'm like, how in the heck? I'm right. gonna sing it with, but then I understood, you know, it was performance more than meaning, you know, then. But now, you know, so, so now I'm older, I can, I've been through some things, (laughs) I can appreciate, you know, I can appreciate the lyrics, I can appreciate where I am in life, as opposed, you know, where I, where I see to deliver it, you know, not to mention the trillionaires when, you know, the minute that we say we're going to do something, they put it together and it becomes like you have no choice they have to they 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 got no choice they call themselves trillionaires (laughs) right 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 you call yourself trillionaire and not do stuff quickly exactly that's all i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) and that's exactly what they did and so when they and then i also did um evelyn champagne king's song shame and we slowed that down and the trillionaire slowed that down and just totally totally turned that around the way you sing the way you sing this song though it's almost sounds like you're singing it to god almost which one uh make me say it again make me say it again hey and and you know what in my heart i it's not that i i am but you could say that you know what i'm saying it had a very spiritual feeling to it absolutely and that's because that's the root of me you know so therefore it comes out you know yeah so, yeah. I mean, I know you're probably singing it to your husband, but yeah, it, it felt like if I was like, this, you could take this either way. That's what I'm. That's how I'm. Exactly, and you can, you can, you can. So tell me a little bit about. Um, uh, so who are some of your influences? A lot. I'm telling you who I heard when I heard you sing. I heard a little bit of Tina Marie in your in your voice. Oh really? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say. Uh... Stephanie Mills. Uh, I hear Stephanie. I heard no, Tina. I get a lot of Stephanie because we have that quick vibrato thing. Yes. So I, yeah, so I get a lot of that. But, um, you know, I've heard, um, and you know what's interesting is that this album, I've kind of taken it, because I'm, I'm used to, if you go back and listen to any of my other music, like Be Still or anything like that, I'm used to like belting and just, you know, just, just, just reaching you and just singing that, you know, uh-huh. and I'm used to doing that, but this particular album, I'm vibing and I'm I'm flowing and I'm I'm enjoying it and I'm relaxing in it. You know, acting like a trillionaire, basically. Okay, <laughs> and that's what I love about it. It's like it's no rush to it to get to this big thing, right. it, you know, because the vibe is so good that it'll lead you right to that, you know. And that's kind of what I love, you know, about how the trillionaires put their you know their stuff together. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so who are your influences? Some of your influence. Oh, wow. Well, I, I would definitely say my uncle, Howard Hewitt. Of course. But I am digging. I am so, so digging her right now. 
you know, I love the fact that she plays every instrument. Um, I, you know, I, I just love that. And not to mention, um, I love who, she, how she, you know, who she stands for. You know, I love that. You know, you don't have to always get up and take it all Ooh. off to be seen. Her. Oh, her. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Look at me. But you don't have to get up and take it all off. If you can't, you do. That's fine. No judgment. But you don't have to. You. There's another way. And I like the fact that she's chosen that other way. You know, she's like, here, here are my talents. Here are what I have instead of seeing what I have. Here. What yeah, I her her going to take a lot of, put a lot of people out of business at a few minutes. Okay. Yeah. But she basically came in the game and said, all that is gone. Yes. Even the public is going, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you got talent. So some of these others, we need to reevaluate. Okay. <laughs> and that's if it. You're taking off and your clothes a little too much. Yeah. You have all and this talent. Yes. Yes. And she's one that, you know, I look at and I, I'm like, yeah. I'm yeah, on some other stuff. You ain't lying. Yeah, I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her. And so, and I love everything about her. So I would have to say her. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I've loved Tina Marie back in the day. You know, I've done a lot of her, you know, her music as well. Um, but um, Whitney Houston, you know, <laughs> those are all my, you know, my ballads are the epitome of who I am. But, you know, this particular album, we've kind of taken it to a vibe and and it's just, you know, it just shows, you know, just it, like I said, it just allows you to just grow and roll with it, you know. And you, you also have uh, Ben Tankin on, on who's I been on the show here, guys. If you oh. Him last couple of weeks ago, but Ben Tankard is on this album. Yes, yes he is. Oh, right. And it, the title of the song that he's on is called Mood. Mood. And that is fun. It's phenomenal. You know, it really is. Now, what I'm trying to figure out is why nobody sent me a copy of this record, and when does it come out? When does it come out? <laughs> I'll make sure you get a copy of it. Somebody gonna give me a copy. Or I'm gonna turn <laughs> one of the members of the trillionaires to do it for me. Right, right. I'll, I'll make yeah. Call the trillionaires. You know yeah, the. They'll give me that copy. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that the book, uh, the music isn't gonna be coming out until late summer. Okay. So um, we're we're in the process of um, revamping a lot of things like my, my image and, you know, okay. image, but my look, you know, things like that. I've had this look for like, since Tanae Williams, you know, I've always loved my, to grow my hair out and to just be who, you know, and I interested in evolving into another element of who Tiffany is. So. <laughs> Tanae Williams, is, that wasn't your real name, right? No, my real name is Tiffany Williams. You want to know right. something interesting is that um, my manager now listen to this. My manager at the time was Mickey Eichner. And he came to me and he said, um, well, you know, the other girl, Tiffany, was out doing pop music at that time. And they wanted to change my name because they didn't want confusion, which I didn't understand how that was going to happen. But they, <laughs> they wanted me to change my name from Tiffany to something else, Williams. Well, I was young and didn't know any better. So I, you know, we came up with the name Tanae because the only thing you're doing is taking the F's out and it's not too far away from my name. Right. You know? Not to mention he was always like, oh, you're so tenacious. You're so tenacious. You know, so we, Tanae, we did Tanae. Well, the interesting thing is years later, I get this YouTube email and it's from the girl, Tiffany. Well, it wasn't from directly from her, but somebody sent it to me, but it was about her. 
it was her YouTube, um, uh, she was talking about what she went through in her, you know, with her music. Well, the interesting thing is that she said that her manager, now my manager and her manager, I guess were best, were good friends. She said that her manager, now her name was less for the sake of not remembering her last name, but it wasn't Williams. Right. You know, let's just say it was Tiffany McAfee or something like that, you know. And so her manager came to her and, and told her that we want you to change your name to Tiffany Williams. It's actually on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube wow. and my music, my, my music in the beginning, like I said, I was always doing ballads, always doing big ballads like Whitney, always doing that type of stuff. So my demo stuff, a lot of demo stuff I had was in that vein. Oh, wow. So I don't know anything, but I'm just like, that was like a, hmm. That's you know? a, and, and I bet the other singer was white, wasn't she? Yep. Yep. Yeah, she was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's so you know, we, thought, we think about you know uh, new edition and the things they went through, yep. you know, yep. and and how you know they would come into the hood and <laughs> and get us that you know, and that's why one of the things my uncle would tell me, you know, it's interesting because I would tell him, you know, I would call him and be like, can you send me Dore me fossil latito, and he's like, no, I'm like, yeah. why not, you know, he says no, what I will send you is a book. Mm. And in that book, it's about learning the business, you know? And so when he would send, you know, he sent me the book about, under, he had me go get the book about understanding the business, the music business. Right. And I jotted through it. But, but you I didn't, didn't really work. get into it. I did it. not get into it. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And I really wish that I had. Right. Because I would have known some other things, you know, and I would have stand firm on not changing my name and, you know, understanding the importance of not changing my name, you know, and, and because at the end of the day, when he did change it to Tanae Williams, he owned the rights to it. Exactly. So even if That's I put That's why they do out, it. Yeah. So even if I put anything out throughout the years. Yep. Under Tanae Williams. It, it was money. Him, not me. Yep. Yep. I, I hope you guys who are watching understand this. We just, we had Don from In Vogue on a few weeks ago and she said exactly some of the same stuff wow. right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, you guys go back and watch that episode because she really gives a vast understanding of the music business from the perspective of the nitty gritty dirt part of it and mm -hmm. not just the celebrity part. So you guys should watch that. So um, let me ask you this. What what did you learn from your uncle that you carry with you? throughout life in terms of the music business? What did Howard teach you? Because Howard went through, he's had a huge career, but I'm sure he's got some, that's a podcast for real. <laughs> right, right, so right. What did you learn from him that you carry with you that you know works every time when you, when you apply it? Yes, and you know what's interesting? The one thing that I learned from him that I used and that I applied had nothing to do with music. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Well, I know my, my uncle loves his family. You know, right. one of the things he did is stay true to his traveling, his career, his whatever right. he wanted to do, he did it, you know, and, right. and God bless him for that, you know. Right. But I realized that when I had children, that my life was no longer my own. And so I made sure their worlds were okay, that they went to college, that they did them, fulfilled the things and that they knew mommy was here and mommy loved them only because I was able to see his mistakes. Mm. Not that he did it intentionally, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was able to see 
you know, and, and, and with his daughters being my cousins and feel some of their pain, you know what I mean? I was able to see that, mm, you know, and see what hurt. And so it became like a weight for me to know. And that's why even when I had my daughter, it was like, mm -mm. and, and, you know, these are dreams that I have been waiting for all my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, but it was so now I'm going to say this, it was easy to say and do it. But when I go back and look at pictures of myself and things like that, I stress, I see the, you know what I mean? I see everything that I was going through, but you would have never known it because I didn't walk around in it. You know, that's, that's powerful. You helping me right now because I have (laughs) a seven-year-old and it's interesting. I, I, I've always lived my life where I include her in my decisions. Yeah. And yeah. this last, this year, um, I've traveled a little bit more than I normally travel. Mm-hmm. And so one night she called me on FaceTime. She never calls me on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. It's one night she calls me on FaceTime. I'm in the hotel and she calls me on FaceTime and she's just staring at me. And I was like, this is odd. Why is she just staring at me on FaceTime? And then it hit me. She just wanted to see your face. She wanted to see my face. She wanted to feel her father. Right, yeah. And I almost started crying in the hotel because it it hit me how important it is. Even though it looks like, you know, she don't want to be bothered by me sometimes. And she's doing her thing, you know. Mm -hmm. She loves her father that's right she meets her father in her life and she just kept looking at me and she would go you okay what'd you do today and then she just started staring in the camera just looking at me for like three or four minutes at a time just staring oh that's beautiful and I was like wow so it that moment I made a commitment to myself not even to her but to myself Mm -hmm. that I'm going to make sure that I never let the money get ahead of being a father. Because I think a lot of times what men do, especially more so than women, you guys are not that bad at this, but men are so caught up in, I got to make the money because we're thinking about the family. We, you know, we want want to lay it up, (laughs) want to make sure there's a lot of money in there for our babies to go shop and our wives, our girlfriends can do what they do. But we forget that our presence is actually just as important, probably more important than how much money we have in the bank because as long as they can sleep and eat yeah. and have a TV, yeah. they're good. They're gonna be fine. They yeah. just don't, they they prefer to have you there that extra weekend that you turn down a $10,000 gig or a $100,000 gig. They'd rather have you there for that weekend yeah. than for you to go that weekend and be away and then you started getting used to that Exactly. And then next, yeah. thing, next thing you know, you're gone every weekend because as a man, you're thinking seven, 14, 21, uh, mm-hmm. three, four, 500,000, you know. So it's a very, it's very, um, it's a very good lesson mm-hmm. that I learned when you, when he was talking, it just made me think about that moment that I had with my daughter. So, yeah. Cause you know what, those are, those are the years and, and it's important seven, you know, those are the years that, <clears throat> that she's watching you. You know, and so she's watching how daddy loves. She's watching how daddy does everything. And so that's how she's going to receive hers when she looks for it, you know. And so that's very important, you know. And and I saw that, you know, on the flip side, as far as being one that was driven from the time I was three years old to now have a child. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, uh, okay. 
And, And I thank God that I have the understanding that I didn't, I, I have always, I came from a non-denominational church, you know, even at the age of, I think I started going at the age of maybe 10. And so I was able to really get a lot of understanding before I went off, you know? So I was one of those that had, that was able to really <clears throat> say, if God said, stop, I had to stop, Right. you know, I had to right. stop. And so, and, and, you know, so, you, you know, in those moments you, you, you look back and you see things, but the good thing about today is, is that you have FaceTime. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, you can, you can travel there. It's, it's a way of balancing things today, you right. know, right. and you can do those things today and travel and still be, you know, like you did on FaceTime and things like yeah. that. You know, back then it was like all yeah, in, nothing. Nothing, right. you know, right. <laughs> yeah. maybe a phone call. Okay, if and you then put phone money on the hotel. <laughs> right, right, and, and and exactly, and you get the bill, and you're like, oh my god, eight hundred dollars. Right, don't call me no more. Right, don't call me no more. <laughs> that crazy. is the truth. <laughs> oh man, so tell me a little bit. So you're an author. Let's talk about your books. You have a couple books that are out, and you have a new book that's coming, right? Yes, yes, I do. Let's well, I have about- two books that are coming. They they have their yeah, and during the process of the pandemic, I was able to finish them, thank God. But um, <clears throat> what they are is Ugly Duckling is, uh, you know, I shared with you about Ugly Duckling No More. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it, it's, it talks about my journey, you know, and things that I went through as a little girl and <clears throat> the importance of, of, of un, you know, understanding the, the um, thing in the world that we cultivate for our children, the importance of what we speak to them and what we allow other people around them to speak into their lives, you know, because we don't realize that what happens is you begin to take on, like when you're spoken something negative over and over and over again to you as a child in your, you know, uh, developing stages, well, you're developing, that's just that. You know what I mean? So you're not going to stay there, but why are you as an adult speaking to that child in that place? Right. You know, because what happens is that child will begin to, even though they'll continue to grow, that place that you planted in them will stay right there at that level that you planted it in them. And so even as an adult now, they have to now look in the mirror and say, well, why do I keep doing this? Or why do I feel this way? Or why do, why? You know, and so that, that's why the book is not just for children, <clears throat> you know, it's for, adult, for us as adults as well, because it puts the mirror in front of us and say, I, I, well, for instance, I remember one of the statements my aunt, one of my family members used to always make, <clears throat> and she would always say, because I've always been a thin girl, you know, and I've always been soft-spoken, you know, and so she, and she, on the other hand, had always dealt with being overweight and underweight, you know, overweight and, and you know. So she was never consistent and happy in that within herself. But I didn't know that as a child, you know what I'm saying? And so every time we would get around family events and it'd be a room full of people, oh my gosh, you're so skinny, you know? And so as I grew up, I grew up, what's wrong with me? Why am I so skinny? Why am I so skinny? Not realizing that I'm perfect. Right. Tiffany, you know? And so I had to get through that journey and I had to look at that person and say, okay, you know what? This is something that was planted. Now I have to uproot that thing and now begin to see myself the way that God sees me. Now, how do I do that? You know, I begin, I, you know, searching in the word, but you want to know the most interesting thing for me is that I, my mom took me to go see the Wiz 
<clears throat> excuse me, allergies. And that was the first time that I ever saw myself. Mm. When I saw Diana Ross, wow. I saw a thin, tall girl. Yeah, she was thin and tall. And soft-spoken. Right. But, but could do her thing, right. you know? And she, was, and she was accepted. Yeah, she was. You know? And that was the first time that I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay, you know, because you have to realize, you know, growing up and then you have your uncle coming in with all these beautiful LA girls that, you know, so you're, you're all, you're constantly because you were taught to now look at yourself based on other people. So you're constantly evaluating yourself and judging yourself. Well, why don't I have this? Well, why don't I have that? Well, why don't I, why don't I, why don't I? Because it wasn't for Tiffany. I have everything that Tiffany needs for Tiffany, you know, but because nobody knew that, it's important for me now to share that with the generations to come or even older, other, you know, other parents to understand the things that we speak into their lives, you know, and how we could, we could caterpillar them into the world to be great, or we could stomp their growth and then look at them and be like, what's wrong with them? Oh, you, <laughs> you just described the whole black. And, uh, okay. <laughs> no, like, that's the whole black. Well, and right you there. know what? There are so many. I'm going to tell you another thing is one of the things that God has shown me also, because we have so many me books, you know, right. like uh, self-awareness and, you know, me. But not me for books, us. But not for us and not telling us in the sense that we need to hear it. Exactly. Like, for instance, when you do have your me time, what are you putting in you? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now it's okay to go listen to other music and vibe and do that, but the consistency of what you're putting in you will replicate what you what you're putting out. <laughs> you like, know, like the dude from Friday, Pinky. Say it again. Okay. Say it again. <laughs> and that's just the reality of it, you know. And that's why I say this. I I said this the other day on one of my interviews, and and I thought about it after. I was like, oh, I should, but I'm gonna say it. I believe this with all my heart that, you know, how the world goes and they get them young and they say, oh, we want to put them out and we want to da, 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 da. And there are other reasons why they do that. But let me tell you, you really don't have anything to tell nobody until you hit 30. That's true. <laughs> you don't have nothing. Yeah. You can sing a song to me. That's real talk right there. Yeah, you can sing a song to me. But see, when the substance and the life and the hurt and the evidence of life is in you, choo, Right. You feel that. You're going to feel it. Right. You're going to feel it. And that is the difference. You know what I'm saying? Between somebody that can just be taught something and doing it as opposed to lived it and given it. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Do you pastor too? No, I don't pastor. I just, I, I, I was a, um, uh, worship leader as well as a psalmist in my church so I did okay. that and then I did other things like you know the interesting thing is when I do minister in song it, it it comes out to be more like a prophetic flow and things like that so well you need to you need to start a trillionaire baptist church <laughs> a trillionaire church of God in Christ because <laughs> yo because you got a word yeah I, I, I agree because you know what God's you know he, he's he's hitting us for such a time as this and there and there are so many of us that are alike right you know? and and when when what happens is when we get together and I speak or you speak it, it makes something within us a leap that says wow okay right. you know what I mean and that's right. energy that's positive energy in that when you walk away when we walk away from our conversation I guarantee you we're gonna walk away feeling like okay let's go 
let's go be great and do, you know what I mean? Because, and that's important to have people like that in your circle. You know, I'll tell you, one of the things I realize is um, not everybody want to see you win. Mm -mm. You know? That one again. Okay. And so you have to be very careful who's in your circle, you know, because one of the things I find, like I told you before, I don't have that competitive bone in my body. Right. Me neither. Me neither. But I find that a lot of women do when it comes to this music. People do. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to this music and the women, you know, a lot of, you want to know something interesting. There were two particular women that were on stage and I'm watching it on TV and I'm watching this and I could, and now nobody else probably saw it. But I could see that these two, two particular women were actually battling each other up on right. the thing. Right. And, and I know a mutual person that knows both of them. So I called her and I said, hey, um, how do whatchamacallit and whatchamacallit get along? And she's a girl that can't stand each other. Mm. I said, I could see that. Right. I could wow. see that in their performance. She was wow. like, and see, that's why it's so important for us to not have that stuff. Yeah. because. What then? What are you showing the younger generation to yeah. be that way? No, yeah, exactly. no, no. Your greatness is exactly that. Your, Your greatness. greatness. I can't take nothing from right. you. Right. That's if beautiful. anything, we can only add to each other. We can't take nothing. And if somebody comes and want to take something from you, they're not. They're not supposed to be in your circle. You know. What people don't understand about uniqueness and 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 being original is it actually is your ticket to success. It is. Because if you think about even like you can just name singers right now. I can name five of them right now. Sting, Whitney Houston, Sade, uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, Phil Collins. They all sound different. Mm -hmm. Yep. None of those five that I just named off the top of my head sound the same. Nope. Prince Michael Jackson. None of them sound the same. Right. Everybody's doing, I mean, even 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 if the music has some influences that sound like whoever, their vocal ability and their writing is still different. Yeah. So your gift is actually in not copying me. Your gift is in actually being you. Being you. <clears throat> because if you're you, then that's 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 the jewel that God wants to shine, you know? And that's it. And then and just that, the jewel. And if you know, if we want to look at the pressure and all the things that life brings us, that's just what it creates. Right. You know. That's amazing. Yeah. How can people, this, this is a great conversation. How can people get in touch with uh, you and your website? Give all us, give us that information. Okay. Well, you can contact me on all um, social platforms, which is um, Tiffany Bino me on Facebook, on um, uh, (laughs) Twitter, LinkedIn, all those things. I'm trying to get into uh, what do you call it? Um, TikTok. (laughs) I know that's, that's the one I won't do. Uh, I'm, you know, I love the acting stuff in it. You know, this morning I watched a girl and, she, and I love the color purple. Yeah. And she did the color purple on there. I was like, oh, I got to do that. Yeah. So I love the acting skills and the acting right. ability, you know, things like that. But when it comes to, you know, the, the, the dancing and all that stuff, I'm like, I leave that to my daughter. Like, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can tell I'm getting old because I, I stopped at Instagram. That's it for me. Uh, okay. I ain't doing no more. That's it. I'm not, I can't do nothing else. Right. I'll focus, I'll focus on LinkedIn and that's, that'll leave me a lesson. Yeah, that, that'll put you where you need to be. <laughs> Show me the money. I don't need to do all the other stuff. Right. That will definitely put you where you need to be. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you for doing the show today. I really appreciate it. And, um, and I, and. You know what? I wanted to just share one thing with sure, you. Please. Um, 
my biopic is definitely ready. It's, it's getting ready. You got and a biopic? Well, I'm getting my biopic together and, and I, I, I would love, I would love your assistance in that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, of course. Yeah, so I'm definitely doing that and I would definitely love your assistance in that. And um, we're doing like the Dreams in a Jar show where it talks about, um, you know, people that we all, one of the things I realized is that putting my dream on hold that it, it didn't just stop there. There were so many other things that made that dream, you know? And mm. so what I realized is that I began to just put those things in a jar. And so, and as I go out and I speak about things, the main attraction that I find that we have in common is dreams in a jar. There are so many women, so many men that have put their dreams on hold. So whether it be their family or whether it be um, uh, somebody that they have to take care of or whatever the case may be, there are so many um, people that have put their dreams on hold. And then once they get a certain age, they feel like, ah, the world's not acceptable for me anymore. You know, that's not so, you know, that's it, beautiful. Yeah. And so we're doing a show to, you know, just, just really open up that world for those that are over 30 to understand that it's time to take that lid off and bring those dreams to life, you know? Oh, so man. we're doing that. And, you know, um, so I, I have like, you know, some other things outside of the books, you know, that I'm also doing as far as well, the reality show and things like that. Yeah, talk about it. What, let us know what's going on. Yeah. Well, we're actually in the, in the format of um, putting it, pitching it and putting it together now. Okay. And, and like I said, it's going to be like, just, you know, really, a, um, you know, people that have gone everyday people, you know, not somebody that has, you know, that's arrived, you know what I'm saying? But everyday people, you know, what's interesting. I was walking down the street, in New York city, and I ran into somebody that I did an acting thing with oh, maybe a year ago or so. And, but I had remembered her and, and I went and shared with her. And she says, well, what are you up to? And so I began to share with her and she was like, and this is a Jewish lady. And I shared with her and she says, oh my God, that's exactly where I am now. Oh, wow. You know, wow. and I've run across so many people that that is exactly where they are. You know, they're at a place to where they're like, you know, see, the thing is, I believe that if you still have life, there's still time to do it. Right. Right. You know, there's still time to do it. And, and if you still have life, God is telling you that you still have time to do it, mm. you know? And so let's, 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 let's let the past be the past and let's move forward and enjoy the fact that you are still here and that you still can dream and that you still have the ability to make your dreams a reality. So let's take the lid off and take them dreams out that jar. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. When did the book come out? When did the books come out? Well, the books are going to come out. We don't have a date as far as when they're going to come out right now. Um, but um, I will definitely keep you posted. And hopefully if you help me out with that biopic, you'll already know. Yeah, let's talk off, <laughs> off camera. Let's talk about Absolutely. it. Because yeah. I, I definitely am interested. I'm, I uh, have a, a busy plate. <laughs> I, I got a huge film that I'm doing uh, this wow. year. Uh, then, I, then me and Dietrich Hatton about to drop a joint that's crazy. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, I can only imagine. Oh, it, I can't even. It's crazy. He was on. He was my guest last week, and I was surprised he even talked about it. But he, um, yeah, we got something that's crazy. It's wow. coming. It's actually never. It. We're doing two projects. The first one has never been done before in the way uh -huh. that we're about to do it. Yeah. So a lot of you know special effects and stuff in it, but um, the second piece is um, is just as bananas as the first piece that we're doing. So anything I can do like uh, to help, 
help you with that. That yeah. I think it's it'd be uh, wonderful. I, what I like about what I've heard so far doing this podcast is I think there's a huge story in um, your sacrificing your dreams to be a, yeah. a, a mother. Yeah, I think there's something there because a lot of artists we miss that part of it. And yeah, yeah, the family part, and then whenever we're when the industry is done with us, right? Or if we're old, then we have nobody, and then we wonder why nobody loves us, nobody cares, nobody. Well, because you right. didn't know that seed. Yeah, you didn't point anybody. So now that you wanted your life to be this way, guess mm-hmm. what? You got it. That's right. 11 So I think there is. I don't know what your biopic is about, but. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a huge part that really that is definitely a huge part. it was like that will resonate with the public mm-hmm. and the world because even if you're not a singer mm-hmm. you're an attorney you could be uh you know a school teacher professor you could be you know a person that pick up trash every day right there's always that thing in all of us especially men where yeah. we want to work harder to get more money yeah versus that you know Faison Love said something to me one time. We was driving in the car and he says, he goes, God didn't put us on earth just to chase money. Okay. And I said, Big Perm got wisdom. <laughs> you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, God did not place us on earth to chase money. Right. It wasn't, that wasn't what, he didn't do all this for that. Okay. That's you know? it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we miss that part of it a lot. I don't, I finally got it, but I'm saying a lot of people miss that part of it. And I think it, it, if that part of it is in your biopic, that that's going to be powerful. And you know what else I would love to put in it is um, how now it's now my daughter's testimony. Mm. You know what I mean? And because she asked me, she's like, mom, how, because I was telling her, I said, Gabby, I said, now you know, because at work and no matter where she is, it's interesting because people will ask her, they'll see her scar and they'll ask her. And there was one particular person, a, a teenager that was like, I'm getting ready to undergo heart surgery. How, how was it? You know, and they'll ask her questions like that. And so I told her, I said, Gabby, I said, now this has become your testimony. You know, this is your story now, you know? And so now it will give me an opportunity to now pass the baton mm. to her in that story, you know? That's good. Yeah. And, and I believe that she'll be able to tell, I'm sorry, having a little eyelash malfunction, <laughs> but I believe that, <laughs> but I believe that, right. I believe that she'll be able to really share a lot more about our story, about her story. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a little depth way, we'll do that. And so, um, yeah, so I think um, that's going to be, you know, another because I, I love how you under, you have the understanding of 1111, a lot of other things spiritually. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. And so I love the fact that you'll be able to, you know what I mean? Yeah, Start, absolutely. Like, my my yeah. spiritual aspect of myself is what has become a huge tool for me in my film now, my yeah. films, because yeah. I didn't have this tool 10 years ago. I was, I was, you know, I understood it, but I wasn't vast in knowledge of it now i have a vast knowledge of it i have a film that's coming out tonight at midnight by the way wow people who are not who are watching this uh whenever it comes out it's already out but tonight at midnight i have a film that's coming out on fox a tubi well fox same thing it's Uh called lax and it's a love story about this couple who are going through some uh 
contemplating divorce. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this film is I shot it in black and white and everybody's seen it, they love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it comes out tonight at midnight. So if you are watching this podcast, go see the movie. Yes, yes. Here's a hit already, but at this point, speaking it in existence. That's right. Anyway, um, one of the things I was proud about in this film was I had so many elements, spiritual elements in it without anyone even knowing. Wow. And I think that's the, that's the key to, that's kind of one of my, I think, gifts moving forward in the future mm-hmm. that is being able to, because visually we are able to transition people's lives visually. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can either be negative or positive with it. Yeah. Um, but it's in how you, what, how is your tools, your right. ability to tell stories, your, your assets, your, your toolbox, are you able to, to translate and um, are you able to uh, communicate? Yeah. Is your cinematic language in a way where everybody can still get it, even if you're giving them spiritual yes. context? Yes. Yes. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. Because people either go too preachy or either they go so far left that people are going, well, what was that? You know, right. so, <laughs> so you have to know how to do it. And a great example of that to me is uh, my favorite director, Martin Scorsese. He is my favorite director. So if you look at his films, you look at Casino, you look at Goodfellas, and then you look at a movie called Silence. Silence was really a Christian movie, right? Mm-hmm. What makes all of his films work? How could he go from a story about the mob and then talk about a person who got killed because he believes in Christ? Mm-hmm. How could that director do that? Yeah. And the yeah. way he does it is he was able to tell stories. He, first of all, he likes telling stories about people who are of truth. Mm-hmm. He likes people who are who they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Boss, I'm a mob boss all the way to the wall. Hit the gas tank. He did a Christian film, and it was the same thing. This person was just a all out about Christ. Didn't matter. He was willing to die for it. So that's his theme. That's his theme of all of his films. Uh-huh. But his ability to tell the story where you get it, yeah, is a gift. Yes, yes. And is. to me, that's what great storytelling is. And when you're able to tell any story, yeah, anybody can get it. Mm-hmm that's when you really are a filmmaker. That's so right. I just gave you guys that's watching film yeah. class 101. <laughs> yeah, gave us some good nuggets. <laughs> you know, so that's the key for me. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can resonate, you can tell any story, but if you have the tools to tell the story where anybody can get it. I mean, take Quentin Tarantino, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People who don't even like blood understood the movie. Yeah. They get Kill Bill, you get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's a revenge story, and you yeah. understand it, even if you don't, if you're not into guns and swords and blood, and but you get what yes. was going on. Exactly, exactly. I totally agree. That's amazing. That's that's interesting because that's so in music as well. That's how that's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Where I've come from, and 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 you know, and everything you just said. You know, that's how I feel about my music. You know, I've. You know, you you put all those ingredients in it, and now it's like, okay, the gumbo is coming out really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. when you know you've won. When when you okay. taste it, you go, mm. 
<laughs> and I go, <laughs> what was that? Right. <laughs> Each you, bite got a different taste. <laughs> you need to take a cooking class or something because you don't know what you're doing. Oh man. Well, you know what, Tiff, Tiffany, this has been a pleasure. It has been this conversation. And I'm so glad that you did the Carl Jackson podcast. Today. Oh, I thank you that Carl Jackson invited me. <laughs>